Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still get in on the action at Bet Online. I've been thinking, where should I put my money with so many options from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props? Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online, and there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome to the Believe in Fins Talk podcast with TD. I am your host, Tony Dow. They asked me, do I believe in Fins Talk? I said, Believe in fans talk, the Dolphins on a mission and they about to embark. It's two a time, it's two a time, ready to be on a grind. Miami Dolphins are in their prime, so we about to shine. Uh, believe in fans talk, yeah, believe in fans talk. TD on the mic, trying to tell you what it is. Our team is on a rise, we gonna keep handling biz. We are going to continue to handle business, at least that's what I said last week. When we were on a five-game win streak, but somehow a game where we all felt that we should definitely win, we found a way to lose. So much to talk about. How did the Miami Dolphins lose? We want to talk about Tua Tungvaluwa's performance. We also want to talk about Brian Flores' decision to bench him. And what does it mean going forward? We also have to talk about our defense not having um, quite the game that we'd like. And what are our offensive woes? What problems do we really have? And what do we need to do to get back on track as we lose to the Denver Broncos 20 to 13 on Sunday? And we find ourselves six and four, 10 games into the season. Now, I'm one of the few people who aren't in panic mode. Um, I asked the poll on my YouTube channel, TD Fans Talk, this week. And I said, hey, we are 10 games in and we're six and four. Keep your head up. What did you think we would be at this point of the season before the season started 10 games in? And the truth is, the post of Dolphins Nation was 3-7, and 4-6, and six, at best 5-5. Five and five. No one saw us being 6-4. and four. So it is not a time to panic, ladies and gentlemen. It's kind of funny, you know, because a lot of people are panicking right now. But it's kind of funny because... Here we are at 6-4. We just came off a five-game win streak, and we lose one game, and the sky's falling. No, the sky shouldn't be falling, but there is re- a good reason why people feel the way they feel because the Miami Dolphins have been here before. We've done amazing things, gone on three, four, five, six-game win streaks, and still not make the playoffs. The time is now to make the playoffs. A lot of people nervous about it because they just want to make it. It's that simple. So to all those fans out there saying, guys, chill out. The sky's not falling. They're only passionate because they want to make the playoffs and they're nervous. Just like me. I'm nervous because we cannot afford for what happened to us versus the Denver Broncos to continue. Tua Tungvaluwa did not have a great game at all. We'll talk more about that. Brian Flores, everybody's wondering and guessing and trying to understand why would he bench the kid. 
And our defense, you know, did, were, were they terrible? And we're going to break that down, but I'm going to start at the top with the defense because I want to get to Tua at the end of the show because I want to break down a lot of things. But we have to start at the top of the show with the defense. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you, calm down. We, we, we can't pick and choose when we want to talk bad about the defense. And I know there's some people that just heard me say what I said, and they're like, are you kidding me? This defense was getting toasted. We couldn't stop the run. They would pass the ball at will. I mean, we were just bad. But I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. You have to be more of a football savant and actually paying attention to what's been happening this season, and you know it's nothing new. Every single week on this five-game win streak, Almost every single game with the exception of one, if I'm not mistaken. We've given up a heck of a lot of yards. Almost every team we play has run the ball on us. Almost every team we play has also caught some balls against us. We give up tons of yards. Like we're, we're ranked in the fourth quartile in the league with yards given up. This isn't anything new. The only, the only difference is we turn the ball over. That's why it doesn't show up. When a team puts up 500 yards on us and we get three turnovers, sometimes we're getting those turnovers after the team has driven. Like, look at this week. The, the Broncos drove the ball all the way down the field, and they get to the one-yard line going in for the touchdown, and we strip it for a fumble and we recover it. So they put all of that work on our defense, but we took it away at the very last minute. And in previous weeks, we've won the game, so we haven't noticed that. But our defense has had issues all year giving up yards. It's just the beautiful part of our defense is we know how to create turnovers. See, turnovers negate all of the offensive success that you can have. If you go back and look at the stats, teams have dominated us with their offense. But they've turned the ball over. And we've gotten possession. And when you think about it, the, the, the Broncos turned the ball over three times in this game. Three times. I know everybody's counting two. The fumble, the interception by X. But what about the fourth down, fourth and one? That's a turnover to me. You go for it on fourth down, that is a turnover on downs. Our defense did that three times. But we still lost the game. So I'm sorry. I don't want to point the finger at the defense. It's no difference from when we play Arizona. We actually gave up more yards, I believe, versus Arizona. But we had takeaways as well, just like versus um, the Broncos. The difference this game, ladies and gentlemen, was the offense. So I'm not going to get on defense. Of course, we got work to do to be better on defense, but we take the ball away and it makes up for the lack of stopping first downs. We, you can't win that way long term because you're not going to turn create turnovers like that every week, although we continue to do it. I'm waiting on the, the moment where we don't. But it's not on the defense. 
Let's talk about another facet of the game. Could it be on the special teams? Well, that's an interesting one. It's the one that no one's talking about. Special teams could have been better in this game. I love that I heard Brian Flores mention something that I noticed as well. We didn't create anything on special teams, but there was one particular play on special teams where we had a great opportunity to do so. It was a play where one of our players on a punt situation, they got through the offensive line of scrimmage unblocked, but it just looks like they didn't give the effort necessary to go block the punt. And they dove for it and was, I, when I tell you, inches short of blocking the punt. Inches. But you can see where the effort wasn't 100% when they first got through. And Flores actually pointed that out, which I was shocked to see that he noticed. And I loved it to know that my coach notices those things. We should have blocked that punt. Because that could have been the difference in the game. But I'm not even going to put it on special teams. Because we can no longer continue to rely on the defense and special teams to do it every single game. Well, we love for them to do it every single game. But there comes a point in time where the offense is going to have to carry the team. And versus the Denver Broncos was one of those games where we needed that. But unfortunately, we just couldn't get it. We just couldn't get it. No offensive movement whatsoever, ladies and gentlemen. Not a bit. Embarrassing almost. Let me try my best to give you a little summary of our offensive performance. First drive of the game, we punt the ball. Fortunately, our defense got an interception on the Broncos on the very next drive, which put us on the 22-yard line. And five plays later, we punch it in for the touchdown. Nice, beautiful pass from Tua Tungvaluwa. The next drive by Denver, they punt the ball. We get the ball back. Another three and out. Denver gets the ball back. They go all the way down the field, 11 plays, 73 yards for the touchdown to tie the game. The Dolphins get the ball back, another three and out. Broncos get the ball, three and out. Dolphins get the ball, three and out. <laughs> not, not to mention zero yards on that drive. So the Dolphins get the ball four times in a row, four times. And three of them are three and out, and luckily the one was a touchdown, but the defense basically gave us a gift, put us right by the red zone. The next time the Broncos got the ball, they settled for a field goal. We get the ball right before half. We finally make adjustments, spread the, spread the field, put five receivers out there. Tua takes us down the field, 14 plays for 52 yards, and we settle for a field goal. Broncos get the ball back, go down nine, nine plays, 60 yards, and they get a field goal to answer. We come out after halftime. First Dolphins drive, three and out. Second Dolphins drive, we finally get a first down. 
Then we punt the ball. The next Dolphins drive, eight plays for a field goal, but that belongs to Ryan Fitzpatrick. And the last Dolphins drive, 13 plays, 84 yards, and we threw the interception at the end. We all know how that went. Let's talk about Tua Tungvaluwa. Tua had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight possessions. Eight possessions in that game. And in those eight possessions, I believe we got six first downs, if I'm not mistaken. Six times we punted the ball. Six times. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six times we punted the ball. That's unacceptable. And out of those six, about four times we were three and out. Now, a lot of people have been making a lot of excuses, a lot of reasons why things were going the way they went. And I want to go ahead and talk about each and every one of those, what I like to call excuses. Let's start out with the first one, Chan Gailey. A lot of people said it's Chan Gailey's fault. His offense is not working. And I'm here to tell you why I totally disagree. The first thing we're trying to do with Tua is put him in a pro set under center, two wide receivers. There's a reason why we've been trying our very best to put him with two wide receivers because we've been trying to put extra help on the offensive line to protect him. It's that simple, ladies and gentlemen. We're going we're gonna to break it all down. So I know a lot of people, yeah, but just listen, we're going to break it all down. The main reason they've been putting him in sets with two or three wide receivers is to provide as much protection as possible. Double teams, chips, whatever it has to be, that's what they've been trying to do. And in the last few games, it has been very successful. Now, we haven't been explosive. We haven't been moving the offense crazy, but they're doing what they have to do to protect him and still try to win the game. Against the Broncos, those formations were not working. I know to a strength is spreading it out. But the problem with spreading it out is exactly what we saw. The first time Tua Tungvaluwa was in the spread offense in this game was right before halftime. The first time we were able to move the ball, 14 plays, 52 yards for a field goal. And one would look at that and say, hey, it worked. See, that's what you're supposed to do. I agree. But the defense wasn't ready for that. When we spread it out, the Broncos' defense was not ready for that, and we took advantage of it. But the very next drive after that, after halftime, they were ready for it. It was just a quick adjustment. We made an in-game adjustment spreading it out. Caught him off guard. We scored a field goal. They came back and said, now we've adjusted to your adjustment. 
and put him right back in a place where we couldn't move the ball. And we were spreading it out, ladies and gentlemen. In the second half, we were spreading it out, trying to get Tua good looks at receivers. But the problem with going five wide, you can no longer do, do two tight end sets. You can no longer have guys double teaming on the blocks and chipping. Now you just got a straight up pass rush coming at our quarterback. And a lot of people, yeah, but the O-line's been playing well all year and now all of a sudden they're not playing well. That's not true. They're still playing well. The difference is, all season we've been providing double teams and great schemes and chips on the O-line. But when a team finally has our number in that pro set doing that, now you can't you can no longer chip. You got to spread it out so that Tua can get rhythm, but he doesn't have the protection anymore if you do that. So it's like a pick your poison. Do you want the extra protection at the line? And then you only have a three-man route and they send extra guys in the box and they, they go man-to-man and, and, and require him to be accurate? And guess what's happened in this last game versus the Broncos? When they went to man-to-man and required him to be accurate, for some reason he just wasn't accurate. See, I've always preached this. This is why I hate zone and I like man-to-man. Because when you're man-to-man bump and run, you require the offense to be perfect. Number one, the receiver has to run a perfect route on man-to-man. Number two, the quarterback has to throw a perfect pass because it's man-to-man bump and run. The defender should be closer in the vicinity. See, it's different when it's, it's 10 yards off in a zone and you can run freely in the open space and you just find the gap and you get it into them. But when you're man-to-man, your receiver has to run a great route and burn his man possibly. And the quarterback, since the defender is right there with them most of the time, has to be perfect on the throw. It can't be a hanging throw. It can't be an overthrow. It can't be a back shoulder throw where the defender's chasing. It has to be perfect. And they made Tua throw perfect balls because they were loading the box, stopping the run, and coming at the quarterback. And... Tua wasn't accurate. Two times, Jakeem Grant wide open for a moonwalk touchdown, overthrew him by eight yards. Now, a lot of people have told me, well, maybe it has something to do with being in Denver, the altitude. Okay, okay, I don't know. I'm not sure if that was it, but, you know, it's a reason or excuse, however you want to look at it. Some people said Chan Gailey needs to open up the playbook and take shots down the field. Chan Gailey did that in the first half. He took four shots down the field, and all four of them were missed. Well, one to Devontae, but it was like a pass interference. But uh, the, the rest of them were overthrown and missed. They were missed. Guys were wide open. And that leads me to the wide receivers. Everyone saying, oh, no one was open and, you know, this, that, that, and this. I, I beg to differ. I just finished watching the All-22. I just finished watching the film over and over and over. And I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, if you take your time and go watch the film, there were guys open. Tua was holding the ball. 
He was holding the ball. I mean, you had routes where Jaseki was on an out route and the defender is five yards in front of him. And as soon as Jaseki took his cut out, the ball should have been on his way and it just got stared down. And then the pressure came and took him down. I mean, moments where the ball should have been out of his hand when the clean, when the pocket was clean, and then a split second later, the pocket was no longer clean. You just have to watch the film to understand. It just wasn't a good game by our young rookie quarterback. We wanted to blame it on Chan Gailey. We wanted to blame it on the wide receivers. We wanted to blame it on the O-line. Six sacks, y'all. Oh, the O-line gave up six sacks. That's not right. The same play that I was just mentioning to you where he was holding on to the ball, where he had on the left side, he had Jaseki running an out route. And on the right side, he had Jakeem Grant running an out route. And both of them were open, but he held the ball. He just held the ball. Another sack. He ran all the way to the sideline and ran out of bounds two yards behind the line of scrimmage. That is a sack credited to the, the nearest person, the player nearest him. That was a sack from Tua running out of bounds behind the line of scrimmage. You're running out of bounds and you got two receivers in front of you that are closely guarded. Throw it out of bounds or throw it to their feet. Because not only did you take the sack, you also took a negative two yards in what was already a long down and distance. Those are two sacks that I saw on tape that had nothing to do with the O-line. Nothing to do with the O-line. Two That's two out of the six. And two, two, sack, two more sacks I saw was on the O-line, but the other two weren't. Sliding into pressure. When the pocket was clean. Running, trying to take off and run when, when you got a check down guy right un underneath open. These are things you got to watch the film to see. And I'm going to be honest with you. I criticized Tua Tungvaluwa's performance after the game. But I honestly didn't think it was as bad as I saw whenever I watched the film, ladies and gentlemen. I did not think it was as bad as I thought, but it was. When you watch the film, there were guys like there were guys just sitting right in his and he would and, and here's what, what I didn't understand. He would be looking at them, looking like he wanted to throw it, but but pulling it and not. I and and something and something was wrong mentally with with the situation and i honestly i have no idea what it was but it was it, it wasn't right and i and i really i really hope that he fixes that he did say in his press conference that you know what he's learning from fitz is you know fitz will come to the sideline and say things like that guy was open even though he didn't look open when I watched that film today, I got exactly what he was talking about now. I knew exactly what he meant. A guy could be running up the field five yards, and a guy could be standing in front of him, but if you know the route he's running, one second later, he's going to be wide open. But since you saw the initial guy standing in front of him, you just automatically say, he's covered, let me move on. You have to watch the film. 
And, and I hate to say this, but this might be the main culprit. Like, I, I, I watched the film and I tried to break down what's causing this. And you know the conclusion that I came up with? It's not a conclusion. It's a hypothesis, an educated guess, okay? I don't want to sit here and make it seem like it's factual. But this is the only thing that makes sense. Tua's still learning the playbook. Not that he doesn't know the plays, but I still don't think he knows every receiver's routes and where they're supposed to end up. Because the way he's going through his progressions and the way that I'm seeing people come open, he'll look at a progression, he'll move on, but when he moves on, that same progression is now wide open. And if you know the route and you're reading the defense, you should stick with that progression because you know it's about to be open as soon as he passes a specific man in the zone. Safety's coming downhill. He's running past the outside linebacker. Oh, man, he's about to be wide open in the middle. But instead of waiting on that to happen, he looks over to his second progression. I don't think he knows fully all of the wide receivers' routes where they're supposed to be and when they're supposed to be in relation to his pro uh, progressions. And, and and that could be a a fair excuse because he's young, he's just learning this playbook. This is the first year in the NFL. That's the excuse that I want to give him because it's the only one that makes sense and it's the only one that says Okay, you know, that makes sense. Then he'll get better at it. But I think that's another reason why they haven't run a, a more broad offense because it's still so much he has to learn. Because I heard a lot of people talking about, we need to run the offense that we ran with Fitz, with Tua, because Fitz moves the ball. No, 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 that is not true. We've run some of that offense. But where Fitz is going to make a quick decision, Tua is going to hold the ball and think twice about it. We were running the same offense at times. But it wasn't being executed. So when you're running something over and over and it's not being executed, you have to go with what you know can be executed. So I think everyone should slow down with saying it's unfair that we run one offense with Fitz and then another with Tua. Do you know why the pressure was getting at Tua and it wasn't getting at Fitzpatrick? Because Fitzpatrick made a quick decision and threw the ball, or if it wasn't there, he took off right away. He's not back there second-guessing himself. That's what it's. There's some of the same plays were ran. But Tua was holding on to the ball. So I think it has something to do with not really fully knowing the plays. He may know the play and which progression and where he wants to look, but not really fully digesting what the wide receiver's full route is on a play. And then on top of that, Fitz does. That's why when Fitz got in the game, it was like water. I mean, he would hike the ball and it was almost guaranteed. He was making plays. He looked amazing. And he tried to squeeze a tight one in at the end and it got picked off. And he said the reason why it got picked off is because he never looked at Jakeem, which he should have, and that would have pulled the safety over to the right. Instead, he kind of stared down the target, which brought the safety over to make the play. 
Tua has to make fast decisions in this league. You can't hold on to the ball and be indecisive. If you don't believe me, go check out the film. Really, press play. Stop looking for the excuses. Don't look for, oh, look at the old line. No, do me a favor. Press play on every play. Two seconds later, pause. And you'll see. Two seconds later, okay, right at this point, there's still a clean pocket. Let me look at the receivers. Oh, look at Jaseki about to go out on about to um curl on his route and he has um separation. The ball should be thrown right now. And that's a guaranteed completion. And then press play again. It's not thrown. And looking at him too, looking in the direction of. It's not thrown. Another play. He backs up to pass. Everybody's guarded except the flat on the left. He never looks in the flat. He holds on to the ball hoping something comes open when the whole time the guy in the flat is wide open. Three seconds later when the pressure finally gets on him, he runs to the left towards the flat and then throws it to the guy in the flat bringing the defense with him Luckily, it was an incomplete. The receiver dropped the ball. But that's what I'm talking about. You back up the pass, first progression out there, second progression out there. You throw it to the flat. He can do something with it and make a play. But we didn't get that. And, and, and you know, it, it's not a moment to panic. There's no need to panic about Tua's performance. It, it, it was just one of those dud performances. It was a bad performance. It was something that he not only will get better from, but has to get better from, and I believe he will because that's the type of kid he is, resilient. And when he has, you know, a bad moment, he comes back even bigger, stronger, harder, faster, whatever. I mean, he's that's that's who he is. At least that's who we hope he is. Now, he did get pulled in that game, and that was the most controversial, confusing moment of all. And I think it was fair. We have to understand who Brian Flores is before we get to, oh, we shouldn't have or we should have. I think it's fair. We weren't able to move the ball. What a lot of people don't want to acknowledge is the fact that Brian Flores and Chad I'm about to say Chad O'Shea, oh boy. Chan Gailey, excuse me. What, what we fail to realize is they know the situation better than any of us. But what we also don't want to do is give them the benefit of the doubt in this situation because I know there's a lot of Tua fans and they didn't like that and they're mad. Flores should have never done that. But you know what? They know the situation better than all of us. What if the situation is what I said? He's still learning the playbook. He's not really, you know, fully, he doesn't fully have a grasp of all the receivers routes. He's still trying to understand concepts and, and nothing I'm saying is an issue. He's a young developing player. If you notice, Flores keeps saying, you know, he's developing, he's developing. He's still trying, and that could be a great reason why, a great reason why, the playbook is minimized. 
because they only want to run plays they they know he can handle and he's great at. And when they open it up a little, he's not doing so well. So, uh, so, so, ladies and gentlemen, tell me this. I'm not saying that's the case, but what if it is? And because a lot of people are making speculation, but if that's the case, it was it's fair for Flores to go with Fitz. So imagine having a playbook with 600 plays. And Tua, at this point, you know, he, he has a good grasp of about 200 of them. You know, 100 of them are rushing. And then when you're down by 14, those are wiped out. Then another 100 are passing. But then, you know, certain plays aren't relevant right now, like, the you know, because we're down by 14. So we need to actually make plays that are beyond quick hitters. There's only a limited amount of plays we can run, and most of them are under center. Most of them are schemed to protect him, but we need to start running more routes and, and putting more people out on routes so he could throw to. So we don't have enough in our arsenal to actually come back in this game because they have our number with this package we have for him, and he's not executing the stuff outside of the package. We need a spark. We're going to have to go with Fitz. He knows it. Come on, Fitz. Let's go. Fitz comes out. They open up the 600 plays, and they start moving the ball at ease. We get a field goal. We move the ball at ease again all the way down the field, and we're striking, ready to tie the game and go into overtime maybe, and we throw a pick. I mean, you know, it is what it is. But maybe that's what it was. And as a head coach, this isn't a, oh my gosh, this is what I'm talking about. I love, and you know what, I'm starting to love the decision to go with Fitz. Because Flores is proving it's not about the quarterback. It's not about the corners. It's not about the safety. It's not about the running back. It's not about the receiver. It's about the team. What do we need to do right now to win this game? We don't care about feelings. We don't care about you're a rookie quarterback. We can hurt your confidence by benching you. Who cares? We are grown men. If that hurts your confidence, you aren't the quarterback for this team anyway, in which I don't think it hurt to his confidence. He's learning, he's growing, and he's going to continue to. But we got to win this game. And Tua was not poised to help us win that game at the moment. We needed a spark. Insert fits, spark was given. It ended up with one mistake that ended the game, but the spark was given. It was a great decision, if you ask me. Because he come out, comes out after the game, Tua's the starter next week, hands down, no question. Got it. But we needed a spark. And, and, I'm, and I'm for the coach doing that any and every time he has to in order to win the game. It's not about keeping Tua in there and keep punting and letting him struggle it out. No, we're trying to win the game. It's not about Tua. It's about the team. Is it fair to Cal Van Noy, Bobby McCain, Byron Jones, Xavier Howard that they want to go to the playoffs, that they want to make some noise, that they want to try to win their first playoff game in the franchise? Is it their fault that they have to sit there and watch a young guy continue to learn and, 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 and it's not the best chance to win 
at the moment, Tua was not the best chance for us to win that game when we made the switch. So they made the switch. It doesn't mean he, he doesn't give us the best chance to win, but in that particular game, at the end of the third quarter, he was not the best chance for us to win that game. We're not talking about the next game or any other game, but that particular game, he, he did not give us the best chance to win. We cannot be unfair to the rest of the players on the team. They want to do great things. Some of these guys are on two-year deals. It's not fair to them to have to only be in Miami for the rebuild and have no aspirations to do anything great. That, that, that takes motivation away from certain guys. I mean, what incentive would a guy have to, to do over and exceed when I'm just here to help them rebuild? No. He wants to do something special, go to the playoffs and be noticed. That's what it's about. So I like the decision by Flores. A lot of people didn't like it, but when you ask them, why don't you like it? Because you just have to sink or swim with them. No, you don't. Just because that's tradition and that's what most people do does not make it right. Well, T, you know, everybody would have stuck with their guy even if he would have failed. Well, that's why I love our coach because he wants to win. Had Fitz looked the safety off and that would have been a touchdown, you know, we might have won that game. But at least we saw we were finally moving the ball. Finally. Finally moving the ball. And Tua was leaving points on the board. It was one time we were actually in their territory in field goal range. And what you can't do is take a 15-yard sack. You can't. Not when you're in field goal range. So, no. I like what Flores did. It was a great decision. But going forward, we'll be all right. I like that we play the Jets. This is an opportunity for Tua to get his bearings back. And we, we, we definitely don't want to go down a road where we're struggling versus the Jets. Because remember, the Jets game is when he first started, when he when he took over for Fitz at the very end. Fitz blew out the Jets, what was it, 24 to zip? And we thought we were going to score 50 points in that game. And in the second half, Fitz was looking really bad. And they decided to go with Tua at that point. But he had already did the damage early in the first half, blowing the Jets out. So this is the opportunity for Tua. Now is your time to put some work in versus the Jets and get a W because if we lose to the Jets and he doesn't play well, then there's going to be an issue in Miami. Now, now, last game did put pressure on him because you got one of the sorriest teams in the league in the Jets. See, the Broncos, we all know they're losing games because they've had inconsistent quarterback play, a lot of injuries. But at the same token, through and through, they're still a, a good football team. They just, you know, they've been losing some games. They're still a formidable opponent. We overlooked them, and we shouldn't have. I get that. They're still a good football team. But the Jets, you got to come correct. And I believe that we will.
I believe Tua will bounce back. But the real the real question of it all isn't whether or not I believe. It's whether you believe. So do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe in Finn's Talk with TD? Thank you all once again for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing to the podcast, Believe in Finn's Talk podcast. I appreciate everyone's love and support. Continue to let your friends and family members know about the podcast. You can also check me out on YouTube, TD Fins Talk. I love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Believe in Fins Talk, y'all. The Dolphins are on the rise, and we're going to keep handling biz. One little hiccup does not stop us. We're going to continue on this winning train, and we're still going to try to win the division. I'll see y'all soon. Thank you for tuning in. Peace. Believe in fans talk, the Dolphins on a mission and they about to embark. It's tour time, it's tour time, ready to be on the grind. Miami Dolphins are in their prime, so we about to shine. Uh, believe in fans talk, yeah, believe in fans talk. TD on the mic, trying to tell you what it is. Our team is on the rise, we gon' keep handling biz. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.